Peace, everyone. This is Jazz. It is March the 9th, 2023, at 3 a.m., and this is my journal entry. Well, I did something silly. I fell asleep at 8 o'clock after having cocktails. Now, nah, we had margaritas. I ain't going to purr. We had margaritas. I only had one margarita, and since I really don't drink, <laughs> maybe pretty tipsy, so I came home, and I went to sleep. I don't remember my dream. I do know, like, I dreamed that. I don't. I just dreamed that. I dreamed that I was sleeping. Somebody was holding me. That's just the weird part of it. I dreamed I was asleep. Somebody had somebody was there. Somebody was the big spoon, you know, the big spoon. They had their arm wrapped around me, like that ish felt real. I woke up like now nah, I know I ain't had nobody up in here, you know, on the other side of my bed. Is let me see, let me look over here because I'm still in the bed. I got my cat at the far left end of my bed. I always lay on the right side on the very edge of the bed. One day I'm going to roll off, but I haven't checked. And then on the other side, it's like a pile of clean clothes I need to fold and put away that I haven't. And that's pretty much it. But somebody maybe was holding me spiritually. I don't know. I don't know at all. Today work was hectic. I put out a lot of fires. I spent my entire day putting out fires. Um, talking sense. and I'm well, not talking sense, but communicating with family members that are not happy, communicating with patients that aren't happy. You know, um, healthcare nowadays is just, how can I say it? I kind of want to get out of the field, but I'm thankful to have the career path that I have because it places me in a position to make enough money to provide for my children. You know, I don't do too bad especially only having an associate degree in nursing, you know, I, I feel I make pretty good money, but you know, the pandemic, it just, it kind of, it burned healthcare out. So it's a lot of people leaving healthcare. They're working from home, making about <clears throat> the same amount of money. So they're working from home, making the same amount of money. Um, some people are still traveling, you know, getting pandemic pay out of state, but because of that, and so many people leaving the field, a lot of shortages and companies, a lot of companies, well, local companies, they're weeding out agency because there's no way a company can survive for, for years and years and years long-term with agency in the building. It's just, number one, it's risky because um, I, I'm just going to say agency, they don't care because there's no consequence. You know, they could put you in a position to receive like an immediate jeopardy or to be, you know, receive major citations, especially if you're working in like, um, I work in um, with, the, when ger- with the elderly, like a geratology. Um, I manage um, a geriatric rehab unit. And when you're in a nursing home, you know, 
the state is a lot more strict than they are if you were per se in a hospital or another healthcare setting. And you know, all these guidelines are set up to protect the elderly. But when people come in agency, they don't care. You know, there are times where I've had to send agency staff home because they'll come and clock in and you can't find them or they just do whatever. So it's not the best idea to have them. But another bad thing about agency is that it is expensive. It's ungodly expensive to pay these people to be in the building. So most companies, what they're doing is trying to maximize the stuff that they have, give them more money, and like have more retention um, incentives to keep people. But the thing is that those people get burned out because you're working with minimum staffing. And when I say minimum staffing, that means like if the state guy, if the state says that every STNA can have up to 15 or 20 patients, and STNA is working with 15 to 20 patients. That is a lot, especially if you're working day shift and you're handling all three meals, showers, toileting two to three, every two to three hours, everybody at different times. You know what I mean? Or the nurse ratio is like maybe in a nursing home setting, one to 35 or whatever. Um, I'm not stating any specific state guidelines. I'm just throwing numbers out there. And these nurses are working one one nurse with 35 people. And you got to understand, like, depending on where you work at, out of your 35 people, you might have 12 diabetics. And they all got to have their sugar shake every meal four times a day. You know what I mean? And then if you're working um, skilled rehab, which my rehab nurses don't have as many patients, they'll probably have like maybe um, 10 to 14 patients. We try to keep them with less patients because their acuity is higher. But you got people who just had surgery. They need pain medicine. You're constantly assessing them. Some of them are still sick when they come back from the hospital, especially if they're post like um, MI, which is like a um, heart attack, myocardial infarction, or they're post stroke. So we're watching them or they've had other issues that we have to watch for. You know what I mean? So you're constantly, people get burned out. They get tired. Then to make it so bad, you have patients and families complaining because at the hospital, your one nurse had maybe you and another patient or you and two other patients and you come here and your nurse got 15 patients. So they can't answer your light or move the way you would like them to move because the patient load is different. So it's a lot. Um, and again, these girls are burnt out. They're working their butts off. So and companies, you know, it's not like my job is specific. Don't care. Um, I will say that you know, working in management gives me a different standpoint. We meet all the time to talk about how we can appreciate staff to keep them, but we just can't keep them. People are tired. People are getting burnt out, you know, and then also it's competitive right now because staffing, the staff is shortages. So companies are they're rolling out money. They're offering a lot of money. And sometimes some people, they're more money motivated than working in a good environment with, um, I would like to say that, and I'm I'm excluding myself, but like, this is the first time I've ever worked at a place where I had support with management, like the um, DON I work up under and the ADON I work up under, like we'll all hit the floor together. We done hit the floor and worked as STNAs. 
We done hit the floor and gave showers. We done get the floor and took the keys and helped pass medications to help the nurses. Every admission that walks in the door, I have my hands in it, whether I'm putting their meds in or, you know, helping the nurses with different stuff, helping, you know, keep track of lab work and stuff like that. So it's just, it's difficult right now. That's one reason why I want to leave. I know that was long-winded. <laughs> my second reason is my spiritual work is my passion. Um, I just feel like though I'm, I'm natural, I know naturally I'm a healer. You know, when I did work the floor, I was a great nurse. You know, my patients tend to the, the thrive and flourish around me. Um, and I just think it's energetic. Um, and, and I try to say this as humble as possible because I don't want, you know, I never wanted others to feel like I have a big ego or anything like that. But when you're constantly being told by other people, like your patients do better when you're here or the environment is better when you're here, sometimes you just have to accept the fact that that's the energy that you have within yourself, you know, and I'm just, I'm just stepping into acceptance of that. Like, okay, that's just me. You know, I used to fight it or I used to like overdo it trying to show that that's me like go above and beyond and show people like yes i'm a great person yes i love yes i want to hear you let me go ab above and beyond and show you when sometimes all you have to do is just be so my focus over the last few years is just being myself and i'm realizing that that's all i need to be you know some people they can handle you or like you being yourself and some people can't and that's okay but my spiritual work is my passion, you know, and it's not, I didn't start this for other people. I started this for myself, but, you know, just in helping myself, I've been able to reach other people, which is great. Um, I just want, I feel deeply that I serve a purpose more than working on a skilled rehab unit, taking care of people. Whether that purpose pays or not, I feel like I just, I have this, I've always felt this drive on the inside. I always had this feeling like you are here to do something big. And big may not be like, big don't have to be being all over TV and exposing myself and doing all types of stuff like that. Big can be within the confines of your own home. Big can be knowing that you're powerful, knowing that the words that you speak heal and putting that energy just out in the cosmos. Because at the end of the day, I believe spiritually, definitely, we're all connected. To me, everything that ever exists, to me, the way I see it is just like one big brain. That's the way I look at every single form of existence right now. It's just one big, we're together, we're just all one big brain. And you got your brain, right? And then you got your different lobes. And then you, within those lobes, you have, you have all these nerve cells or neurons and they're all interconnected and they send impulses 
and symbols to each other, you know, and like different sides of the brain, they have different functions. Some of them function in speech, some fu function in balance, some function in, you know, certain movements, whether it's fine motor skills or other type of skills. It's just like, you know, the way you walk, talk, move, how pain is transmitted to your body. The brain handles, the brain processes all of that. And that's how I look at the universe. So we're all connected. So it's about a collective to me. So, like, I have been in the habit of just genuinely praying and sending healing energy over the collective. Because for some reason, deep down inside, I feel that I'm powerful enough to create a spark. And there are a lot of people out here that are praying for the collective every day. And we're just creating these impulses, these sparks, and they're spreading and, and it's spreading spiritually, like across these, like they're like waves, kind of like um, in the brain again with, you know, neurons, you know, like, it receives the um, electrical impulse or message via like neurotransmitters. The cell receives it through a, um, I think they're called dendrites. I could be wrong. You know, then they're processed and then they're sent down at axon. Then they're released into this synapsis. And then the next cell picks it up and it keeps sending the message. And I just think that spiritually we work the same way. And that's how like messages you know, go and they receive, of course, things happen to interrupt these messages. You know, there are forces that block these messages, which is kind of like natural. People want to call them evil or negative forces, but they're just natural forces that are naturally here to block certain impulses, you know, but that doesn't stop that cell from, do from doing its job, which is receiving and sending impulses. It's just things that block it. You know, or maybe the it's not insulated well or the myelin sheath is kind of worn down and you get, you know, illnesses where certain impulses are blocked. But as a collective, we're still connected and we can still send those impulses and send love and healing to each other. So whether I'm meant to sit here in my room every night and say a prayer for the collective to to hope for positive change and positive movements then that's what I'm here to do. Or if I'm here to speak what I'm seeing or I'm feeling in front of other people, that's what I'm here to do. Or even if it's, you know, helping someone connect with someone that passed away or teaching somebody how to do that, you know, that's what I'm here to do. Either way it goes, it's, it's, it's to make a difference. And it starts with one person. And there are people out here that are quietly making differences every single day. So. That's what I feel like I'm here to do. I just feel like I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to drive positive change. I did a channel the other day. And lately, I've been channeling a lot of doom and gloom. I'm not going to hold y'all. I don't even share them. Because um, some of it, my spirit is not permitting me to share yet. So I'm not sure what they, because I feel like 
um, whatever's channeling me and communicating with me, I feel like it's a they. I don't feel like it's just like one spirit communicating with me. I feel like it's a they. And, you know, I think what they're telling, I don't know what they want me to do with the information, but I just feel compelled, which tells me that I'm instructed to write it down. But they made a they made a point and they was like, you know, yeah, all this stuff is going to happen. But the collective can change it. They have the power to change it. You know, and it's it starts with that spark, like that spark in the mind. So I was told that, you know, that spark has already been ignited. And you could tell because of how people are growing and finding peace and spreading love and doing stuff. But it ain't enough yet. You know what I mean? But. I just feel like I need to be part of that spark <laughs> or whatnot. I feel like I'm here to be that spark. I do want to send some healing and love and prayers out to a good friend of mine. Um, no name needed, but she found a lump in her breast and she had a biopsy today. So we're just sending love and positive results. On another end, a good friend of mine found out that um, her child was positive for a rare, rare cancer. But if there's anything I do believe in is I believe in miracles. So when she called me today from the doctor's office and I spoke to the baby's um, surgeon, which they're going to refer to a pediatric oncologist, um, I just instantly started praying and sending great energy and love to that baby because she is like, I know y'all have, like, have y'all ever met somebody and you just love them? The crazy thing is before I even met, cause I'm friends with both of her parents. Before I even met this little girl in person, before I even met the mom and became friends with the mother, I just knew I would love this little girl. I just knew I loved her. I just knew it. You know, she just, she, she just special to me. And now I understand why, because she's a, an extremely gifted child. You know, to see a five-year-old with um, autism, higher functioning though, give a mediumship reading and didn't even know, you know, it's just, it just, it blows my mind. You know, quick story time, her mom called me and she said that um, the little girl kept pointing at a picture of a man on the dresser and she kept pointing at the picture and saying she heard the dogs speaking of the dogs. Well, come to find out the man in the picture was passed away, but he owned the dog kennel. And it's just this little girl amazes me. So I always love her. And I always call her when I talk to the mom and she's around, I'll talk to her. Um, her speech is a little delayed, but she can't talk. And then, like, I always try to take her cookies. I just feel like, I just feel like she went of mine. That's how much I love this little girl. I feel like she went of mine. Like, it's like, I feel naturally motherly with her. You know, she has, she's a great mother. She has a great mother, by the way. You know, her mom is very attentive. And that's how they were able to get her diagnosed. So shout out to her mom for being the wonderful mom that she is. But this little girl is just amazing to me. You know what I mean? So she was diagnosed um, with cancer today. And 
she was just so sweet to her mom. Her mom was just hysterical. She's crying. She's nervous. How could you not? And she was just kissing her mom. We were on video call. I was at work and I had to fight back my tears because um, I kind of mentored a mother. So I knew that if she seen me cry, she was going to panic. And I'm just crying because emotionally, I love this baby, not intuitively because I picked up something doom and gloom. So I, I couldn't really show her any emotion, but I did shed a tear or two when I got off the phone with her. But she was just kissing her mom and giving her comfort and wiping her tears and just telling her mom, I love you, mommy. Don't cry. Don't be sad, mommy. I love you. And hug her. And she just the sweetest little thing. Oh, my gosh. It reminds me of my seven-year-old. My seven-year-old, she's so gifted. She has mediumship abilities, too. But she is just, these little kids that are coming up, they're just star seeds. They're so gifted and they're so special and they just, they are filled with so much love. And I'm not a touchy person or a clingy person, but my seven-year-old, when she come hug on me, I just let her hug on me. I don't even like that stuff. I just, just come here because she's love, you know? And the same thing for her, you know, I went to visit a few times and one day we spent the whole day, the whole day over their house mom cooked dinner she was a great host and the little girl she just she kept hugging on me and you just can't help it and you hug her but come, just come here oh she's so sweet but um this young lady my friend all her kids are they're just amazing gifted kids it's like a home full of gifted people which makes sense because the mother's gifted and the father's gifted so of course the the whole family gonna be gifted that's just a must but anyhow, we found out she had cancer today. It's rare, but it has um, a 90% survival rate. So there's more testing that needs to be done. But we're just going to speak that healing into the universe because I've been praying for this girl all day. Um, just every moment I get and I think about her, I just say a prayer. Or I'll state the anabacoic because, you know, I want healing over this baby. And I say a prayer for her mom. And the family, too, and the father, too, you know, um, just praying for all of them because, you know, who wants to hear that about their child? But anyhow, I just feel like when we pray for people, I believe in prayer. I will say that. I believe that prayer works. I'm all over the place on this journal entry, y'all, but y'all just gonna have to take this. I truly believe that prayer works y'all and it just it does so when you have a collective speaking these prayers into people they work quick story time before I end this I knew this man um he was in kidney failure he was on dialysis blood pressure through the roof they couldn't manage it he had been on dialysis over a year maybe two years or so but when I met him, we would hang out and stuff. And something just told me to pray for him. So what I did, number one, is did some research, looked up some crystals that can help heal the kidneys, bought some stone beads, and made him a beautiful bracelet with those stones on them. Mind you, when I made the stones, I prayed over them for days and I placed them on my ancestral altar because um 
if you use your ancestral altar, right? Like I can use my ancestral altar as a charging station, which means that I can put um, items on there and I feel like my altar charged them, charged them, gave them to them. Every time I would see him, I would, you know, hold his hand and pray over him. And ever so often I would take those beads and charge them and pray over them. The good thing about him was that, um, you know, he shared his lab work with me. So I was able to track his lab work, um, you know, with the kidneys. You're going to look at the creatinine and you're going to look at other numbers as well. You know, you're going to look at their hemoglobin, creatinine. You're definitely going to look at potassium, sodium and stuff like that. Because when, you're, when your kidneys are not functioning properly, it messes with your electrolyte balances. You're also going to look at protein, you know, stuff like that. Because your kidney, if your kidneys aren't working, what's breaking all this stuff down? People don't understand how important your kidneys are. But I'm not going to get out medical on y'all. Back to the story. Anyhow. I would just pray for him constantly um, every time I seen him. And I remember I had, um, was at an appointment with him or like, it was like a virtual appointment and the doctor was talking to him and she was just like, your labs are like turning around. They're improving. She's like, I don't understand what's going on. She said, this happens, but she said, it doesn't happen like this. The way your labs are like your kidneys are regaining function, he said, she said, is rare because it was it was happening so fast. It was happening so fast. So put it this way. Um, he had been on dialysis for like three years. Kidneys had. I mean, no function. He wasn't even urinating no more. They weren't functioning. And within. This was February. February, I started. By February, March, April, May, June. Between It was between June. About June, that's when we started to see the change around. The changes being made, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and they were just in the talks of putting him on the waiting list to get a kidney transplant. Baby, let me tell y'all something. By August, that man's kidneys regained almost full function. Do you hear me? He no longer needed dialysis. Um, his blood pressure just started being normal. Imagine he, his blood pressure. I would take his blood pressure when I see him. It'd be like 209 over 100. It's just high over 100. Just high, bottom number being a three digits, top number being a three digits. And he was on so many blood pressure medicines, high milligrams. He went down by the time he left and stopped doing dialysis. He was on a low dose of um, metoprolol, which is a beta blocker. He was like on 12.5 milligrams or something like that. He was on a low dose of that. miraculous he was also exhibiting signs of um, hyperglycemia but he wasn't yet diagnosed um diabetes but his um a1c was like in that rear that weird range that went back to normal too 
everything just started shifting back into normal. So I'm not saying that my words or my prayers healed him because, you know, that a I you know, you gotta be careful with, you know, how you see and how you state things. But I feel like um that helped. And the crazy thing is I used to lay hands on him. Like he would hug me and um I would like wrap my arms around him and I would place my hands in his kidney area or I would just you know, he would lay across my lap and I would lay my hands on his back. And he used to tell me, like, um, Jazz, your hands feel very hot. Your hands feel like they're vibrating, you know, and stuff like that. It's just that I just think as humans, we, we're more powerful than we think we are. And we're able to do more than we think that we can do. You know what I mean? So I'm going to go ahead and um, in this episode... For those that don't believe that prayer works, I am living testimony that it does. Um, it does work. So I will be praying every day for my friend's child, my friend, and my other friend who had the biopsy, getting, getting the tumor moved out of her breast. But for all of those who need um, help and assistance or guidance or anything like that, because I just believe that I believe that the brain has the power to heal the body if you believe that it can. I love you all. Don't forget. And I love you 11 times in the mirror. I love you 11 times before you go to bed. Do some skincare. Take care of your body. Love on yourself. Love on your kids and your family. If you got a good man, love on your man, girl. Cause man coming, I can feel him. I know he coming. I can feel him. It feels. I just feel like I'm close. You got a good woman, love on your woman. Give her a hug. Give her a kiss. If your parents are still alive and they here, and y'all have a good relationship, love them. If you you don't have a good relationship with your parents, make peace with it. If your children are still here, love on them. You ain't talking to your kids. Make peace with it and still love them. Love, even love the people that hurt you. Love the people that hurt you. But just spread love everywhere because that's that creative spark. That creative spark is love. The key to healing is just love. I'm telling you, love is so fucking powerful. Shit, that's the answer. Love. Should a motherfucker broke your heart? You trying to figure out how to heal to get over something? Love him. I remember my teacher gave me, us, um, a big challenge. She was like, if somebody hurts you real bad and you have trouble forgiving them, put them on your altar. I'm like, whatever. Till I was faced with putting a few people on my altar. That's when I realized that. I had trouble forgiving people because it was difficult placing their pictures and their names on my altar. But I did it. And when I did it after a while, I started to feel better and I started to love them, even though they had caused me harm. 
and I started to look at things from a different understanding or a different perspective. So love everyone, even those that are harmful to you, even those that did you wrong, hurt you, ghosted you, put hands on you, assaulted you, abused you, took from you, whatever. And love and forgive yourself for anything that you've done to other people. Peace.